our hands and welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, we bless you. We honor you this morning. We welcome your presence. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We invite you to move among us in any manner that you desire. We thank you, Father. We lift our hands. We lift our voices. We praise you this morning. And we're expecting, Lord, for you to show up, manifest your power, manifest your love, manifest your glory. We're here, Father, to sit at your feet, to hear your word, to welcome your presence in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just worship the Lord. Just worship the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Someone's being healed of some pain under the shoulder blade that's been troubling you for several days now. Someone who's being healed of migraine headaches right now. In the name of Jesus, you came in here experiencing the pain of a migraine headache but it's leaving now in the name of Jesus we thank you Father for your healing power where the presence of the Lord is there is liberty there is freedom there's freedom free from oppression free from heaviness free from every demonic activity free from sickness, free from disease. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, turn up the volume and pray in the Holy Ghost. Someone's being healed of some ulcers in your mouth. In the name of Jesus. You can roll your tongue around and feel it's gone. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's someone just been healed of, of some... Uh, uh, pain in your ears, ear. 
trouble, just a, a, a pain in both ears. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, for moving among us with your healing power. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord. Let's turn the volume up a little higher. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Pain in the abdomen, the lower abdomen is being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Stiffness in the knees are, are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. Just as I lowered my arm, I I heard the Lord say there's someone being healed of severe shoulder pain in your left arm. You go ahead and check it out. Check it out. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's shout unto God. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Reach over and lay your hands on somebody next to you. I don't know if you're you're sensing this, but there's just a holy presence in this room this morning. It's bringing tears to my eyes. I know Carolyn's experiencing it. Uh, it's just a sweet presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm going to be a crybaby all day or something, you know. Glory to God. Anybody else sense it? Hallelujah. Just, just pray in the Holy Spirit as you join arms there and join with your neighbor. We have determined that this meeting... The Holy Ghost is in charge. It's our desire to flow with Him. No other agenda. Flow with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Lord, I pray over every person in this conference this morning and all those who will be joining us later. That every person will be touched by your presence. Touched by your power. Lord, we're ready to go to another level. New heights. New dimensions. We are not going to leave here as we came. Going higher. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Smile real big at somebody and tell them you're so glad they're here. 
Hallelujah. And I'm so glad you're here. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome, 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 all of you. We're thrilled and excited about you being here. And um, in praying about this year's conference, I started praying about it when it ended last year. And, uh, and the Lord just immediately dropped in my heart the theme, Flowing with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, back in uh, oh, a few months ago, I was in Canada, and I was doing a minister's conference, and the Lord instructed me to do a message on making room for the Holy Ghost, making room for the Holy Spirit. And uh, it came out sort of so powerful that we decided to put it in a little book, and uh, it just came from the printer, so you might want to check that out. Uh, one of the statements I made in here is... Obviously, we all want to be in the presence of God. We all want to be involved in a move of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people are simply just not making room for Him. I go to a lot of churches that if the Holy Ghost wanted to move, He couldn't because He's not on the program. Amen. And uh, I asked the Lord, I said, why aren't we seeing more manifestations of the presence of God in our meetings. He said, you're not making room for me. So many preachers are so set and determined to get their sermon out. Amen. And it's not our eloquence of speech that is going to bring revival to this country. Not going to bring revival to the world. It's our ability to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. You look back at every move of God, previous move of God, and it was not eloquence of speech, even though great sermons came out of it, but it was the moving of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I desire, and I believe that's what you desire. And you say amen. Amen. So uh, I asked the Lord about, well, who do you want me to have involved in the conference? He said, you bring Richard and, and Lindsay both back. And Carolyn, because they all know how to flow in the Holy Spirit. And uh, Carolyn, in particular, has been praying and studying and and, uh, staying before God for weeks now. Weeks. I mean, hours and hours and hours. And, uh, in fact, I've almost turned this whole meeting over to her. I called Richard the other day. I said, you and I and Lindsay may not get to preach. And, uh, but I am going to give Carolyn my session this morning. So she'll have two sessions to cover all that, uh, she believes the Lord has directed her to say in this meeting. Now, Carolyn, uh, she doesn't preach a lot, but when she does, it's powerful. Amen. It's almost like pulling teeth to get her to speak in a conference. But uh, once she starts, you know, when she's determined that, okay, this is God, and she gets to studying and all, uh, sometimes she'll come out and say, I don't know if I have enough material. Then she says, I need three more services. You know? <laughs> so uh, I'm, I, I told her this morning, I said, I'm going to loose you and let you go. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. In fact, she's already preached some of it to me and uh, Richard and Lindsay, and uh, she is ready to unload on you, praise God. Now, let me make a few announcements. Uh, there will be a camera in the lobby uh, before and after each service, and uh, we'd like to get some testimonies from some of you as to uh, what this ministry has meant to you, how it's impacted your life, so that we can use them for our television broadcast and other purposes. So uh, make yourself available to that either after the service or before the service. There'll be a camera and camera cameraman or woman out there, and uh, we'd like to get some of your testimonies, okay? And um, let's see, one other thing is, uh, um, in addition to the new book that's out there, we just produced uh, something that uh, we announced in our recent magazine as kind of a Christmas special, and it's a favor package. It's a favor ball caps, it's a favor coffee mug, and it's a favor blanket that you can carry with you. And uh, we're trying to get people aware of the favor of God. I'd like for you to experience it as much as I do. I'm not sure that's possible, but (laughs) I want you to experience it as much as I do, praise God. And uh, so some of those products are available. And of course, all the messages will be recorded and you can uh, take advantage of that as well. So uh, without any further ado, uh, I want to welcome my wife, Carolyn Savell, of 51 years, praise God. And let's give her a warm welcome. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, I brought all my props. Do you wonder where Terry got hers? (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is so good and so faithful, isn't he? Before I start, I want to get rid of this out of my notebook. I bought all of you this book, and it's going to be out on the lobby when you leave here today, so you can take it home with you as a gift from me. And it's First of All and The Awakenings. It's Billy Brim's new book, so I don't want you to miss that. All right? Praise the Lord. All right, I want to talk about something. What time is it that we're living in? What time is it that we're living in? And I want to flip it over. And I want to show you that we are just about out of time. We are just about out of time. And what we do counts from here on out. From this conference on out counts. It's going to be recorded in heaven what you do from this day forward. Everything else we've already done has been recorded. But from this day forward, it's so important what we do for the Lord Jesus. Father, let me share this with you before I get started. I have felt like a woman that's been pregnant, and I've carried this child for nine months, and I have had a labor coach. Lindsay has been my labor coach, and months ago when I was telling Lindsay what's moving on the, and I'm going to cry. I'm a crier, so be prepared. I'm a crier. 
But I was telling Lindsay months ago what's moving on the inside of me. I've been grieved. I've been so grieved. I've been so heavy. I've been so burdened with what I see happening in the body of Christ. I said, Lindsay, some days I can't even sleep. I just cry and I weep at what I'm seeing going on in the world. But not only the world, but what I see going on in the church. And so I've, I've told Lindsay, and she and I have spent countless hours talking about it and discussing it and praying about it. So Lindsay has been with me through this nine-month course, and today I'm going to deliver. And we'll find out We'll find out if it's going to be a boy or a girl. So here we go. Are you ready? Oh, hallelujah. First Chronicles, the 12th chapter, verse 32 says, And of the children of Ishkar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what they ought to do. Men of, of understanding, understanding of the times, to know what they ought to do. Now, Isaiah 56, 10 says this, His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, and loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, for his quarter. And in Matthew 16, 3, Jesus rebuked the people of his day for failing to recognize the signs of their times that heralded his first coming, calling them a wicked and an adulterous generation that should have discerned the times for centuries before Daniel and other Hebrew prophets had predicted his coming. Simeon and Anna, mentioned in Luke chapter 2, found in their studies of the prophecies that told of the time that Jesus would come, they were looking for it. They were preparing. They were studying the scriptures. They were not caught off guard. When Jesus showed up at the temple, there went Simeon and Anna to the temple, and there they found Jesus. How much more reason do we have today to recognize the signs of his coming? We are surrounded by so many obvious signs that you would have to be blind not to see them today. Over the past 50 years, or let me say it this way, 50 years ago or more, uh, when I was in school, there was a cover of a National Science Journal that featured a clock on its cover. And it had, uh, the hands were five minutes to 12. Do you all remember that science journal that came out? And over the years, the same journal has depicted that clock on the front cover of their magazine again. But the hand was closer to the midnight hour. It was like a minute or two from the midnight hour. But their phrase was the end of history. They meant the death of the earth through pollution and overpopulation and annihilation. What I see is that hand, we're almost at the midnight hour when the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to appear and he's going to say, come up hither. So we're right at the midnight hour. And as you see this sand running down this hourglass, I mean, it's time is going so fast. Do you feel like every day that, uh, that a week is like, uh, one day? You know, and a month is like a week, and a week is almost like, you know, a year, you know, or, or a month is like a year. I mean, time is just like this. Jerry comes in, 
And uh, he's already in his brain, left the meeting. He just came out of that night. And he's already a week down the road in, in his thinking. I mean, that's how fast time is going like this. So there are two signs predicted by the Hebrew prophets in Daniel, the 12th chapter. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Then many shall run to and fro and search anxiously through the book. And knowledge of God's purposes as revealed by the prophets shall be increased and become great. Two signs predicted by Daniel for the end time should be obvious to us all. The increase in travel and the increase in knowledge. Since 1914, when the average speed of cars and trucks were 15 to 20 miles an hour, until today when rockets and to satellites average 24,000 miles per hour, hasn't man had an explosion in travel and in knowledge? So these two signs mentioned together because they interrelate. The speed of travel is dependent on the increase of knowledge. And more than any age before us, men are running to and fro on the earth, just as the prophet predicted it would be in the end time. In a matter of a few minutes, the whole world can have information. Just like a few days ago, when the terrorists drove that truck into the bike lane in New York City, I'm telling you, within a minute, the entire world knew that it had happened. So information and speed is like that. And so we're seeing this scripture fulfilled. I mean, we saw it fulfilled two or three days ago. We're seeing it fulfilled every day before our our eyes. So we need to be as smart as the sons of Ishkar, analyzing the times and perceive correctly what these times were about. Now, Isaiah 43, another one I want to give you, talking about the servants of God. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servants? Are deaf as my messengers that I've sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servants? Seeing many things, but they observe not, opening the ears, but he hears not. I pray today your ears be digged out of that earwax. You get your ears cleaned out today so we can hear what God wants us to hear. The Lord will be well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and small. They are all of them snared and in holes and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey and none delivereth for a spoil and none saith restore. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will hearken and hear for the time to come? Well, we're in that time to come right now. So from the very beginning, God has revealed the events of the end time. The scripture states that Jesus opened his mouth with parables and spoke things that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So we who are of this last generation should not be caught by surprise or be confused as to God's timing of these earth-shaking events. Oh, glory to God. Yet Jesus said that men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after those things that are coming on the earth. There are some chaotic times ahead for the inhabitants of the planet earth who refuse to listen to God's prophetic word and warnings and continue to walk in their own darkness. The prophet Malachi gives us a glimpse of this judgment. Malachi 4.1 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. 
that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. The prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 13, he also sounds a warning for a wicked generation. He says, give glory to the Lord your God before he calls darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while you look for light, he turneth it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. Yea, there is also good news in the same time frame, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19 says, but the path of the just is as the shining light and shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness and they know not at what they stumble. So there's great darkness and deception ahead for those who find themselves outside of God. However, there will be a brilliant light of revelation knowledge for those who are willing to repent and respond to God's warnings. Isaiah gives us a glimpse into this when he's referring to the time of Israel's restoration, at which time their blindness departs and they recognize Christ as the Messiah. Isaiah 61 through 2, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, darkness and gross darkness shall cover the earth and my people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. It's so evident from these verses that during the same time frame in which gross darkness is on planet earth and on the wicked of the earth, that great light and revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit to those who will follow God's word and worship him. The event will not leave the wicked of the earth. It will leave the wicked of the earth groping in their own darkness for the seven year tribulation that will immediately follow the rapture of the church. But God has provided better things for us who are the children of light. First Thessalonians chapter five tells us, but ye brethren are not in darkness that should that day overtake you as a thief, but you are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Daniel 12, eight and nine says, and I heard and understood not that I said, oh my Lord, what shall the end of these things be? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Now, Charles Capp says this, and I quote from his book. God's message to Daniel set a time for these things to be revealed. That revelation is being revealed to the body of Christ in this generation as never before. He also says when God spoke through the prophets of old, his prophetic words established these events. And the sequence in which they would transpire. God calls these prophetic entrances to be fused together with time. So that they could not be separated from the segment of time to which they were assigned for their complete fulfillment. Now listen to this next sentence. Some of these events could not be totally understood until the generation had arrived on the scene to which this assignment was made. Time itself is, time itself is prophetic and has released that revelation to this generation. We are the generation. We are it. Signs of the times. Let's talk about that for a minute. Matthew 24, one through seven. Jesus departed from the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the building of the temple and pointed out to him. But he answered them, do you see all of this? 
Truly, I tell you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Well, we know that was fulfilled in 70 AD, but let's continue on. While he was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciple came to him privately and said, tell us when will this take place and what will be the sign of your coming and to the end of the age? Or the King James says, the end of the world. Jesus answered them, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in different places. Now I want you to notice, Jesus mentioned four things that would occur in one generation to signal that the end was drawing near. It was wars, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. The signs are being fulfilled almost daily, making everyone consider how close we must be to the prophesied end. Right now, there are 15 wars going on on planet Earth. 15 wars going on on planet Earth. Look at that. The United States is actively engaged in five at the present. We're involved in Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Yemen, and Somalia. Oh my goodness, we're we're in it. We're in it right now, the fulfillment. Famine, approximately 9 million people die of world hunger each year according to the world hunger statistics. Look at this. 9 million people are dying a year of hunger and famine. Pestilence. Pestilence is taking over right now. The black plague is breaking out. Oh my goodness, I just did some study and research even last night and this morning again. Uh, the black plague called the death plague that hasn't been, been around for 1500 years and stuff. It's showed back up now and it's taking over. Are, are we showing some of that? Look at this. Death warning in nine countries. So the plague is back. All sorts of things that we've had control over is back right now. Mumps and measles and just all sorts of things. Plagues are back. Now let's look at the earthquakes. Mexico earthquake, the largest recorded September the 7th, 2017 was an 8.1. September the 19th, 2017 was a 7.1. So look at the pictures of what's taken place in Mexico, the largest earthquake that we've ever had. And the Red Cross has housed more evacuees in the past 50 days from hurricanes and from fires than they have in the past five years. Fires. Oh my goodness. Let's look at the fires. Have you ever seen anything like it? Northern California burning to the ground. As of today, 8,700 homes have burned to the ground with every possession the people have. It's all gone. It's all wiped away. Uh, $1 billion in damage, 42 dead and hundreds have been injured. So all these are the beginning of sorrows. We're just seeing little bitty glimpses of what's going to take place after the rapture of the church. And we're gone from here. The whole earth will look like it's been annihilated. Like these, look at that. Look at that picture. I mean, the whole earth. Can you imagine? My brain can't even comprehend it or take it all in. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Now, let me give you the definition of the word hate. The word hate means feeling intense, passionate dislike for someone, having a strong aversion to something, express strong delight for criticism or abuse, intense, passionate dislike, denoting hostile actions, motivated by dislike or prejudice, prejudice. I want you to notice what actor Johnny Depp said recently. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? Then he said, don't you think it's about time? So do we, don't you think it's fierce haters right now? It's a time of people saying what they want to say. And, and, and they don't care who, I mean, let the whole world hear that I think it's time the president was assassinated. Time the president was assassinated. Oh my goodness. Now look at Kathy Griffith holding President Donald Head's Trump. Donald Trump's head up. This, this is appalling. That woman ought to go to jail and serve prison time. Johnny Depp ought to be put in some kind of detention somewhere. Yes, These things should not continue to go on. Snoop Dogg, I know we have that later on, but Snoop Dogg yesterday put on the cover of his brand new album, which was released, a picture of a dead body and Donald Trump's name tagged on the foot. You know, Snoop Dogg, who cares a bit about Snoop Dogg, but he's trying to get publicity. Look at this. This ought not be. This should not be. But this is just showing us the signs of the times that we are in. Oh, my goodness. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Shall hate one another. And what's the definition of hate? Intense, passionate dislike for someone. Having a strong aversion to something. Express strong dislike for. The world feels like they can just say what they want to. All right. What about the Johnson Amendment? The Johnson Act where we preachers can't say what we want to say. Well, I'm standing up here declaring to you today that as a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to say what I want to say. And you can come take my 501c away. Because that book I gave you by Billy Graham, it said that's what our preachers did when we founded our nation. They had their black robes on. And I'm telling you, there was the day that came when the British were coming over the, the, the hill that they jerked off that black robe and underneath that black robe was their military uniform. And I tell you, they went out there and they fought with the guns that they had. And I'm telling you, I'm pulling off my robe and I'm standing here with my uniform on to tell you that we as preachers have got to say what the gospel of Jesus Christ says and we cannot back down because of what the liberal media says. We cannot back down which movie stars in Hollywood thinks they're so far to the left that we're going to have to be so far to the right to make it balance again. We've got to say what God's word says. We've got to declare what God's word says. We're seeing a whole generation go to hell in a handbasket and we're providing the basket to put them in. Hallelujah. 
many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. Now I want to talk about this generation. We're living in a marvelous time of prophetic fulfillment, which is good news. If you believe in the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to warn the world of what's coming. And I want to start with this because this, this just really created such a vivid picture in my mind. We recently have experienced three of the worst hurricanes that's ever been recorded in modern history. Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, and Hurricane Marie. They caused incalculable destruction. Can you imagine when those meteorologists issued a warning of the approaching storm? Can you imagine how he felt as he tracked that killer hurricane as it was approaching a densely populated city? He knows he cannot stop the storm or divert its path. The only hope of saving lives is by warning those in its path the quickest way possible that they might escape from the storm that's about to strike and make a desperate attempt to withstand its devastation. We saw this over and over and over with Hurricane Harvey and Irma. I mean, I sat there and watched the newsman when he would say, find a hiding place, get to a safe shelter, get to where you need to be, get your family protected, get, get out of where you're at. If you're in low lying areas, get to a high area. We heard it over and over and over for those days, preparation days before where they were evacuating cities and getting people out and, 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 oh, there was a volcano that took place out somewhere and they had to like get 11,000 people off of that island. They had boats, every boat at their disposal, getting those people off of that island because the volcano was about to erupt. Well, that's what I feel like. I'm a meteorologist. The scenario is a perfect parallel of this generation for so many today are unaware of the approaching storm and some haven't even heard the warning. But I want to tell you there's a real storm brewing and planet Earth spiral towards a cataclysmic transition is just about to take place. We're at it. We're at it. We're about to see the scriptures fulfilled. It seems that God has given us a blueprint in the Genesis account, which extended from the creation of Adam to the end of the seventh millennium. This picture of the 6,000 years of God's dealings with mankind is prior to the transition into the last millennium before eternity. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. Beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the prophets, and of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God in the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, 
are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing as that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Now, Peter implies that we could be ignorant about some things, but he admonishes us to not be ignorant about this one thing. You can be stupid. You can be ignorant, but don't be ignorant about this. A day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. So that's an important key for us to understand end time events. The Genesis account says that God labored six days creating the earth. The first of the Bible tells us what God's going to do. He revealed the end from the beginning. In Genesis 1, the end from the beginning. Oh, excuse me, I have to calm myself down here. The earth lease gave man dominion on earth for a limited time. It revealed it to us in that chapter. So we can see there were two days from Adam to Abraham, which makes 2,000 years. Two days from Abraham to Christ, which makes four days, which makes 4,000 years. Two days from Christ to the end of the church age, which is us. And that's another two days. Now we have a total of 6,000 years. Oh, glory. So not one prophecy predicted in the Bible has ever failed. Most were spoken hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. So historical evidence has proven that every prophecy in the word of God has and will come to pass. For hundreds of years, Bible critics thought they had finally found the one prophecy that was false. None of them believed that Israel could ever become a nation again. They thought for sure that the Bible was wrong concerning Israel. But in 1948, the year I was born, In one divine act, God did what man labeled impossible. He began gathering the Jewish people back to that little tiny strip of land called Israel. Oh, he restored their nation. And it was from that moment in 1948 that the prophetic events began to accelerate towards complete fulfillment concerning Israel. And we're part of that. Hallelujah. Aren't we blessed to be alive right now to... To help usher in the appearing of Jesus. Matthew 24. Then we see, look at Israel. Oh my goodness. Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branches are yet tender and put forth leaves, you know not that summer is near. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. Y'all, it's near. It's even at the door. My generation, me, 69, Richard, you're 69 in a few days. We're not going to pass away until we see all things fulfilled. We're that generation that will not pass away. Oh, glory. Amplified says this generation, a whole multitude of people living at the same time in a definite given period will not pass away till all these things taken together take place. 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. You can take it to the bank. Glory. But of the day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. But look at the next verse as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be 
For as the days of Noah, they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. It's true. No man, not even Jesus knows that day, the hour, the moment, because if he did, he would tell it to us. Because he said, whatever he hears the father say, he will tell us. So that's why God has to keep it to himself. But the moment he tells Jesus, guess what? Jesus tells Gabriel and he blows that trumpet and we're all caught up together with the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at verse 45 of chapter 24. Who then is the faithful, thoughtful, wise servant who's his, who his master has put in charge of his household? To give to the others the food and the supplies at the proper time. This is the proper time. We've got to give our people the food and the supplies, what they need at the proper time right now to prepare them to not be left behind to go through the tribulation. I don't want my family to be left here seven years groping with everything, with what they're going to go through. It's already getting hellacious. All right, let's talk about the age of anything goes. Darkness has descended on our world. We're living in a world where anything goes and nothing satisfies. The Bible said that these times would come. Matthew 24, 37, Jesus said, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. So what were the days of Noah like? Genesis 6, 5 tells us. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Oh, I can't even comprehend. Look at us in here. Some of us might occasionally have an evil thought or a bad thought or an ugly thought. Or, but we don't have evil thoughts 24-7, right. every on. single yeah, one right. of us. Come on. Come on. But these people only had evil thoughts 24-7. A whole generation. My mind can't comprehend that. Take it all in. So this is a description uh, of the society swept away by the flood in the book by Jeff Kinley. And he wrote, the Bible is stating that Earth's entire population was thinking only evil 24-7. Certainly those evil thoughts would have included sexual promiscuity, adultery, perversion, as well as rape, prostitution, homosexuality, lesbianism, and pedophilia. Am I saying that word correctly? Does that sound extreme or far-fetched? Considering that most of these perversions had been with us since Noah's day. It's not a stretch to imagine how prominent they would have been in a world without any moral compass or restraint. The description of Noah's generation and Paul's words describing the generation that will introduce the last days is found in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. But understand this, that in the last days will come, it will come. I want you to see that, not maybe come, it will come. And the Amplifies says, set in, set in. Perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. The increase in people needing psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors this year alone has increased so drastically that they can't even come up with the numbers right now. Verse 2 says, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. 
lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant, contemptuous boasters, they will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. I want you to see upon the the screen a picture of a... I want you to notice these are ministers that are out in public. This, these are ministers. Uh, can you see him here drinking their shots? Uh, can you see how he's dressed? The world's gone crazy. Church has gone crazy. Ministers have gone crazy. They're drinking just like the world's drinking. Alcohol has taken over in the church. Uh, you can't tell church people from world that people can't tell the world from the church. Um, they will be blasphemous and scoffing. Blasphemous and scoffing. Ungrateful, unholy, profane. This ought not be going on. Do you think a pastor should dress like that and go out in public? I I wished I'd put the other picture, Bozo, of the praise and worship leader who was out and what she was dressed in. Her whole entire front was showing. And um, these things ought not go on. Our praise and worship leaders should not look immodest on the platform. Not even immodest out in public with people. You should dress, well... Let me go back to my notes. I told Lindsay last night, I don't have a magic mark with me, but I got so excited, I went down there in her bedroom. I said, Lindsay, look at this. I drew a line. I said, put sin on one side and put righteousness on the other side. Put Satan under sin and put Jesus under rightness or righteousness. All right, let's draw a line down the middle. All right, what does the world look like? Put it on there. How do they dress? What would Christians dress like? How do they talk? How does Satan talk? Does he use the F word all the time? Well, guess what? The Christians are using it in the church all the time. You know what? Our vocabulary is just going down the tubes. We used to say something like, that makes me angry. That I'm, I'm mad at that. That makes me angry. Or that teed me off. Well, that... Pissed me off now is what they're saying. No, I'm just saying it. It's disgusting. It's repulsive. Stuff like that should not come out of our mouth. And can I pull my soapbox out and stand up on it and say some things that irritate me down to the cords of my toes? I hate it to hear Christian people say, who is a good looking guy or teenage boy or anybody like this and say, oh, he's a real stud, isn't he? Y'all, that, do you know what a stud horse is? Come on. It's a male horse that breeds with females to give birth to babies. Come on. Do you want your young son to be called a stud? Do you know what that infers? He's going to walk around and have sex with every mare that's in heat. Come on. I'm sorry. That stuff just, it just... It just gets me to my core. We've got to clean up our mouth. We've got to clean up our vocabulary. We've got to clean up our act. We've got to clean up our life. We've got to get sin out of us. 
We can't talk like the world. We can't act like the world. We can't dress like the world. We can't do what the world does. My little bitty grandchildren who are in elementary and middle school now, but all in elementary, the F word is used. They hear it hundreds of times a day. My little bitty ones hear it all day long. God forbid. God forbid my baby's hearing this stuff. Even in Christian schools, we put them up in the Christian school and it's talked at the Christian school just like it is everywhere else, public school. But it shouldn't be in our homes. It shouldn't be in our homes. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Let's talk about that a minute. We have become a selfie generation. Time Magazine. Who am I looking at? Nobody in particular in this room. Is he the cutest? Oh, look. They've learned to pose. They've learned to not just stand and smile. But let me tell you, it's part of the deception. You learn to just smile. No, now you learn to have bedroom eyes. Sexy eyes. That's that seductive pulling you in. Oh, yeah, they all pooch pooch their lips out and and do all that kind of stuff. No, you guys, I'm not against taking selfies. Please understand my heart. I'm not. But there is a spirit behind it. There is a spirit behind it where we become self-centered. We become narcissists, you know, where it's all about me and nobody else. I don't care about what anybody else thinks. So it's a selfie generation. Uh, Time Magazine considered selfie one of the top 10 buzzwords for 2012. 2013, the word was listed as a word um, in the dictionary. 24 billion selfies were taken last year and posted. That wasn't how many were taken. That was how many were posted that were taken. All right. (laughs) You wonder how many were deleted before that one special one and they got the right pose and the right look of the eyes. And I know I've been with my daughter and granddaughter and all of them, and they may take 15 before they decide, well, this one's the right one, right? (laughs) So we fit into that category too. But females 15 to 25 years old are spending five hours a week taking selfies. 93 million are taken a day. 93 million are taken a day and 24 billion were posted in one year. So the sad thing is ah, that they've learned to look sensual and sexy when taking these photographs. And it's all behind it is the evil one for that particular reason. All right. Lovers of money, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau reported in 2015 that all financial services companies spent $17 billion just in marketing and advertising, advertising to get you to come borrow their money. Isn't that amazing? 17, you didn't get that. Billion with a B. Not million, 17 billion in advertising trying to get you to come borrow their money. Lovers of money. Oh, my goodness. Let me go back and look at this. Blasphemous and scoffing. I want you to look at the horned drag queen. Is she up there on the screen? 
Long Beach, California, Drag Queen Story Hour at the Michelle Obama Neighborhood Library. A drag queen sporting demon-like horns was invited to read to the children at the local library. And uh, he loved, he said it was the greatest day of his life when he got to read to the children. The little children were innocent because they just thought it was a storybook character, not realizing that it was a drag queen. That was, took Mr. Rogers' place. You know, Mr. Rogers in the neighborhood took his place and replaced him with her. Unholy, profane, callous and inhuman. Verse 3, because they will be without natural human affection, callous and inhuman. Relentless admitting of no truce or appeasement, they will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. Callous and inhumane. Since 1973, when the Supreme Court legalized abortion, they have killed 60 million babies. Even though the government legalized it, it doesn't make it right. Worldwide, there have been 40 million babies killed per year since 1980. 40 million a year. Verse 3, relentless in admitting of no truths or appeasement. Oh, let me go back. I want to comment on that. Relenting, relentless, relentless and admitting of no truths or appeasement. Politicians today are unwilling to work together and they can't get anything accomplished. They refuse to listen to each other because of their dogmatic ideas. They claim they know what the other person stands for, but they don't even read it. They don't even sit down and discuss it. They're dogmatic. They won't work it out together. That's part of fulfillment of the word. Fierce haters of good. Definition of fierce. Violently hostile or aggressive in temperament. Pugnacious. Marked by unrestrained zeal or vehemence, extremely vexatious, furiously active or determined, wild or menacing in appearance. Fierce haters of good comes from an old English word, God. We get the word good from God. Fierce haters of good. Anything good, they're going to be the opposite of, okay? They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash and inflated. With self-conceit, they will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. Lovers of sensual pleasures. What do we have up there? Lovers of sensual pleasures. A pastor of a local church asked his congregation how many were living together and half the congregation raised their hand. Sensual, sensual pleasures. Sin, fornication. Uh, here we go with words. It was called uh, sin, then fornication, shacking up, living together. Do you see the difference? It was sin, and then it was tagged fornication. Then it was tagged shacking up. 
And now it's just called living together. Do you see how much sweeter it sounds now? How much kinder it sounds now? Do you know what's happening? Look, my sand's run out. (laughs) You know what's happening? When I was a girl in school in biology class, my teacher took a frog and she put that frog in a pot of boiling water. And that frog jumped right out of that pot as fast as it could. She took the same frog and put it in a pot of lukewarm water, room temperature water, and put the same frog in a pot, put it on the stove, and turned the flame up under it. And it began to get warmer and warmer and warmer. And that little frog sat in that pot until it cooked itself to death. It became desensitized to its environment. It became desensitized to its to its surroundings. It just sat there so comfortable in that little pot of warm uh, temperature water. And then it began to get warmer and warmer and warmer. You could do that in the natural. Get in the bathtub, stick your toe in. It's cold and you put a little warm water in. You get it, you know, just right. You get in it. But once you get in it, you can turn the taps on and it can get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. So you can eventually, you come out there looking like a red beet, right? Well, that's what's happening to our society. That's what's happening to us. We've become desensitized to the point to where we're like that frog. We're cooking to death in the very own environment that we're in day by day by day. We're becoming hardened to it. That's what happens when that frog cooked to death. It became hardened to it. So we're becoming hardened to it, callous to it, where it doesn't bother us anymore. doesn't affect us anymore. It doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, the commercials on TV. My God, do you want your little children to be sitting there and watching a commercial about lubricant and stuff where the two come together and it's a collision? You know, I mean, you don't want your little children to be sitting there watching these stupid commercials on TV. But they're there for all the world to see. There's no restraints. There's no, no, nothing to hold back all of this stuff. You know? It's, it's disheartening to me. Okay. Let's go on. Definition of fornication. You want to know what that means? Sexual intercourse between people not married to each other. The word sounds bad, so we don't say it anymore. We won't say the word fornication. It's ugly sounding coming off of our tongues. They just live together. No, they're fornicating. (laughs) For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of their conduct, the lies, the genuineness of their profession. Now, these are people that go to church and worship God. It under belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. So human depravity is a symptom of our isolation from God, which occurred at the fall when Adam and Eve rejected God's spirit and chose to follow their own desires. This depravity of godlessness is the root cause of not just Americans, but the world moral decline. We grasp for what feels good instead of what is good. Let's look at a few examples from a survey I read. In January 2016, the Internet's largest online pornography site released its annual statistics. Just one website. In just one year, consumers watched 4 million, and the number keeps going on, I can't, hours of pornography. 
Convert those hours into years, and it means those people collectively spent more than 500,000 years watching porn. On this particular site in 2015 alone, people watched over 87 billion, with a B, X-rated movies. That's 12 videos for every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. I'm quoting from the survey. In reporting statistics, Jonathan Van Maren warns that much of this pornography was rough stuff and driven by the market, he says, people wanted to watch. People wanted to watch women humiliated, beaten, violated, and enslaved. Millions and millions and millions of them. So we need to take this seriously or our churches will drown in a sea of filth right along with the rest of the culture. The survey also said some 68% of children trafficked into the sex trade have been in the care of social service or foster care. This shocked me when I read this. And one out of every 10 children will be the victim of sexual abuse in our country. Pornography and child abuse are not the only symptoms of our sex-laden society. There is sexting now, the practice of sending explicit pictures of oneself over mobile phones. It's become a phenomenon among teenagers and young adults, with surveys showing 62% of the teens, 62% of the teens and young adults have received a sexually explicit image and 41% have sent one. You see them all the time because I follow all this stuff. You know, in the bathroom, showing themselves and just, I mean, it's, it's repulsive. And just put it out there for 2,000 people to see you, you know, or however many you're following you. Um, pornography and child abuse are not the only symptoms of our sex-laden world. Ben Shapiro wrote in his book, Porn Generation, I'm a member of the lost generation. We have lost our values in a world where all values are equal, where everything is simply a matter of choice. Narcissism rules the day. The mainstream acceptance, acceptance of pornography has become a social fact. Um, someone was telling me just yesterday that Victoria's Secrets, their models in the windows in the, in the malls now, it's just a G-string with uh, rhinestones up the bottom, you know. And you walk down through the mall with your little child, and there they are looking at that. Now, I don't want to go to the mall this afternoon and see all of you at the mall looking at Victoria's <laughs> Secrets. But we are a members of a lost generation. It's a lost generation. And look at what's on television. Not just on the cable stations, but also the major stations. On second thought, don't look. Every season, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Sometimes I just shake my head in near despair and say, what's next? We cannot control what a secular society does. But as Christians, we can demonstrate a better way and let the voice of the word of God govern our own convictions and conduct. Second Corinthians six seventeen in the Amplified says, so come out from among unbelievers and separate, sever yourselves from them. Says who? Who? The Lord. the Lord. And touch not any clean thing. Then I will receive you kindly and treat you with what? Favor. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says 
the Lord Almighty. Now let's back up a few verses and tie that into some preceding scripture. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not take mismatched alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God, with iniquity and lawlessness? Or can light have fellowship with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement can there be between a temple of God and of idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and among them and will walk in them and be among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. King James Version says, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Romans 12, 2 in the NLT says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will and at which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay. Hallelujah. When I was growing up, there was a minister that would come to our church and his name was brother William Branham. This man of God, every time he would come, my family and I, we never missed a service. And you would have to go hours early to get a seat. I mean, there would be lines of people. There'd be just hundreds, even thousands of people outside waiting to get in. We never missed this great man of God. He operated in what we now know as the word of knowledge and word of wisdom. But although Brother Branham didn't call that himself, he didn't know to call it that. But in his services, he would tell people their names, addresses, uh, the names of their doctors, the dates of their accidents, phone numbers, precise diseases involved, and many other details not possible for him to know personally. And he didn't have a wire in his ear where it was slipped to him by somebody back in the back that was reading it off a card. He really received it in his spirit man because he would fast and pray for days and weeks before he would come into those meetings. And so he was, he was keen and attuned to the voice of the Lord. He said that an angel of the Lord had told him, if you can get the people to believe, healings and miracles would happen. He said he had been given two gifts, discerning of the secrets of a person's heart and the visible vibration of his left hand, which actually became red and swollen. The power would stop his wristwatch instantly when it came on him. The gifts were to raise the people's faith, he said. So he's the one I heard say this. That in the last days, right before the appearing of Jesus and the rapture of the church, he saw in a dream or in a vision, women dressed in their underwear going up and down an escalator out in public in front of everyone dressed this way and not embarrassed or ashamed of it. Well, friends, we're there. We're there. Boza, would you put up the USA volleyball team? A number of years ago, when the U.S. sand volleyball team were playing, they were dressed this way. And I sat there in my family room with my husband and us watching the U.S. volleyball team play. 
And those girls dress like that. Look at, look, look at them. When they turned around, you could see this much, okay? I sat there and I began to weep. And I began to cry at what I saw. Because it was exactly what Prophet William Branham said to us in the last day. Women would be in their underwear out in public in front of the whole world to see. There were millions and millions and millions that watched that on television. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't ashamed. That's our USA Women's Beach Volleyball team. For someone to go out in public like that is a disgrace to call yourself a Christian. Where is the love of God? Where is the love of God? Where is, where is modesty? Where is a heart? Where is a heart that wants to be pleasing unto the Lord? Where is a heart that's hungry to be pleasing to God? Where is it? It's missing. It's missing. It's missing. Where are the bathing suits, Boza? Do we have the, the bathing suits? All right. This was the bathing suits back in the day. Look at this. I mean, they were measuring them to make sure they were long enough. And they even hauled them off to jail in the beginning. See, they're hauling them off because they're too, too short. They're hauling them off. All right. Yeah. He just said people wear that to church now. And, and, it, and it's the honest truth. He, he is saying the truth. The truth. I even have seen praise and worship leaders with not that on the platform, but you know, the, but look at what our workout clothes have turned into now. And I'm not against working out, but what's the spirit behind the workout clothes? What's the spirit behind it? It's lust. It's attention. It's fornication. It's all the above. What, what's, what's the picture behind that showing off what you've got, you know, flaunting it. Showing the skin. Where does all that come from? Okay, let me move on. If Brother Brandon would be alive today, he would be appalled at what we see on a daily basis. Our world has been so desensitized. So desensitized to what's going on right now. That, that doesn't even offend us. It should offend us. The way those volleyball people were dressed does offend me. The workout clothes, you know. But the way they're dressed in those bathing suits, that offends me. How am I doing, Brother Jerry? (laughs) Romans 1.18. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Was that ungodliness? What does it say? His indignation and his wrath will be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. What does he say? That the older women should teach the younger women to dress modestly. Is that, that's not modestly. We've got to teach the younger women. That's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. My girls can tell you I raised them that way. Terriana, call me and send me pictures. Terry, send me pictures. Mother, is this okay for me to go out and looking like this? Uh, yeah, 
You might want to put a little cover up over the shoulder, though, but you know, right? Don't you girls send me that? Mama, how's this? They ask approval and they're almost 50 years old. Because <laughs> I've lived this in my home, didn't I, sweethearts? For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is his eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that he's, that's been made. His handiwork. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification. Because when they knew not and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginings, foolish reasonings, and stupid speculation, and their senseless minds were darkened. I want you to look at this on plant parenthood. I want you to see what they are trying to teach our children today. Is it coming up? Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. Planned Parenthood. And you find it. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. Well, I want to tell you, if it's not coming up, what Planned Parenthood said. Teach your preschoolers that their genitals don't determine their gender. No, I got it. It's a news article. Teach your preschoolers that their genitals don't determine their gender. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, it said that they made simpletons of themselves. And I do know what I'm talking about because I have a relative. She's a lesbian married to another female. She's a professor of theology. They adopted a little boy at birth. When they brought this little boy into their home, they're raising him. They dress him one day as a boy. They dress him one day as a girl. He wears the fingernail polish. He wears little girl shoes. They're letting him choose what he wants to be, a boy or a girl. So, claiming to be wise, they become fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. So Planned Parenthood wants to teach it everywhere. Teach your preschoolers their genitals don't determine their gender. Now I want to talk about the 11 mayors have been accused of sex-related crimes. 11 mayors claiming to be wise, they became fools. Some of the smartest people, really? 11 mayors have been accused of sex-related crimes, accused of rape and sodomy as young as four years old. Verse 23, and by them, the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man and birds and beasts and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading powers of sin. Just this week, 
on my news feeds that I get, 13-month-old sexually assaulted by both parents, and they recorded it to sell it. Sickness and perversion beyond imagination. A three-month-old and a five-year-old were sold, was on our news this past week, for $600 and a sex trafficking ring was busted. Verse 25, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now verse 26, for this reason God gave them over and abandoned them to a vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural functions for an unnatural and an abnormal one. I want you to notice, do we have the picture of the two female pastors? Um... They're exclaiming their love for one another, but they says explanation in love and only God knows. New vision, full gospel Baptist church right there. And the men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze, burning out and consumed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men, suffering in their own bodies, and personalities, the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoing and going astray, which was their fitting retribution. I want you to look at Woman of the Year Award. Look who won the Woman of the Year Award. Do you think our world's in trouble? Woman of the Year Award. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or to approve him or consider him worth the knowing, but he, she goes to church. She goes to a, supposed to be a charismatic church out in California and goes to church all the time. Think we've been desensitized to what's right and what's wrong. And so they did not see fit to acknowledge or approve of him or consider him worth the knowing. God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent, but loathsome. Now, Chelsea Manning, convicted spy, traitor, formerly Bradley Manning, before transitioning, was released from prison in May after serving seven years for leaking classified government information to WikiLeaks. She was convicted in 2013 of espionage, theft, and computer fraud, earning a 35-year sentence until former President Barack Obama commuted the sentence of a convicted spy and traitor. Let her out of prison. But guess what? The transitioning from Bradley Manning to Chelsea Manning was paid by our money. We, our government, our money, we paid for her operation to be changed from a man to a female or whatever it is. Okay. And then this is what gets me. She was given a seat in Harvard to teach in Harvard. When they released her from prison, she was given a seat in Harvard to teach in their school. Verse 29, until they were filled, permeated, and saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping, covetous greed, and malice, they were full of envy and jealousy, full of envy and jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, treachery, ill will, and cruel ways. They were secret backbiters and gossipers. 
I want to show a picture of the Osteen's church, pictures of the water in the church from the hurricane. One person said, can, can you see all this? Uh, one person said, Joel, I hope your mother drowns in her own bathtub. Mean, hateful people not understanding the full scope of the situation. They could not get to their church because of the water. People could not get to their church because of the water. Also, they had not been approved by, of the city for one of the locations to house people. As soon as the water went down and it became a reasonable level, they began as quickly as possible, clothing, feeding, helping, housing as many people as they could. So let me read this scripture again. Secret backbiters, gossipers, full of envy, jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, treachery, malice, just, just all of the above. Is it showing pictures of them serving? Did it show the family? They were out there working like, I mean, don't believe this junk you hear on the, the, you know what, this, can I tell Lisa's story? Can I tell Lisa's story? Lisa Osteen, the Wednesday after the hurricane, um, she got up and by the unction of the Holy Spirit, she said to the, the congregation wasn't many that night, you know, but she said to the people that were there, those of you who are affected by this flood, she says, God's going to do a quick work. He's going to cause it to be restored to you quickly. Well, there was a news reporter there and their comment was, it is a joke. It was a laugh. She doesn't know what she's saying. They all know it takes years for FEMA and for the government and for insurance to pay off and for all this to happen. Do you know, they made fun of Lisa. Do you know in a few days, somebody gave 3.7 million, somebody else gave, uh, Tyler Perry gave, I think a quarter of a million dollars or something. Somebody else gave some more millions. Do you know what they did? Within one week's time of that coming out of Lisa's mouth, they had their team of people. They had written checks for every single person and they had art delivering them to their home and doing evaluation of every home and how they could help them. So it was done in a week's time. It didn't take forever. So don't listen to the junk you hear because most of the time about our Christian ministries like this, it's false. It's what does President Trump call it? Fake news. I want you to notice right now pictures of even the royal family and little Prince George is not exempt from all the criticism. Two liberal British politicians have slammed the royal family and even little George. He was not immune from the criticism. The, um, he was the target of a British, British Labor MP who said the schoolboy would only be king if he doesn't have an unfortunate illness or accident. Another Labor counselor who chaired a panel at the conference also delighted in attacking the little boy. He said, we had all the media attention recently when Prince George went to school. He was quoted as saying by the paper, we don't know if he will grow up to be as bad as his grandfather or maybe his great-grandfather, or that he will be as bland as his father. All we know is that at some stage, George will be king, unless we change the system or unless he has an unfortunate illness or accident. Members of the audience, according to the paper, greeted this outrageous comment with shouts of shoot them and guillotine. So that precious little boy, he's not even immune from the hatred the hatred, slanders, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence, arrogance, and boasters, inventors of new forms of evil, disobedient, undutiful to parents. 
Now, I didn't put this up on the board because I didn't want you to have to see it. But on the news recently, in the last couple of weeks, there was a big ad that came up, a big, a big thing. And then they took the ad off completely uh, about a month or so ago. There was an ad for going out to a sex island. Did y'all see it on the news? There's a sex island out somewhere. And our pres- former president has been there 26 times, nine times without Secret Service or without uh, protection. And his precious wife has been there with him six times. And the way we know this and the way it was reported in the paper that I got, it's because it's on the flight manifest of the airplanes that they took to go to Sex Island. And it reminded me of what, what you all do. You're going into those villages Amen. and putting those businesses, those little jobs, those things in there so those parents don't have to sell their children to sex slavery. And I think that's where our former president went out on that island where all these children are for sex slaves. I'm just telling you how it is. Do you think we have a problem? I think we have a problem. I think we have a serious problem. I didn't make that up. That was on the news and I got it from the news report. It's a world that's going to hell in a handbasket if we don't do what we're called to do. Giant star Beckham Jr. said his urination celebration was a jab at President Donald Trump. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. They were without understanding, consciousness, and faithless, heartless, and loveless, and merciless. Are we seeing it? CBS vice president was fired a few weeks ago in the horrific shooting and massacre that took place in Las Vegas. She said um, victims didn't deserve sympathy. Victims didn't deserve sympathy because country music fans are often Republican. Nancy Sinatra said, few weeks ago, murderous members of the NRA should be executed by a firing squad. Of course, a few days later, her tweet was deleted. Though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them themselves, but approve and applaud others who practice them. Isaiah 4, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We are in some troubled times, and it's up to us. It's up to us to be the light of the world. To be the light of the world. I'm going to stop right there, and let's all stand up. I think you need a break. You need to go get something to drink. You need to stretch. And then we'll see what happens after this.